Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Today's episode, we're going to talk about grief and loss on our healing journey. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Soundboard. For those of you who have been following us for a while, you know that two weeks ago, we took an episode off, and last week, Nicole flew solo. We took an episode off two weeks ago because of the death of my brother, Jacob Weekland. For those of you who have listened, you've heard me talk about Jake and my family and both of my brothers over this past year. Now, when we create the conversations that we have on these podcasts, I really pay attention to your comments and your feedback. And when a new episode's posted, we listen to the conversation. I hear your DMs, we get your messages and really see where you're at and choose the next topic based on that. Now, to come back to the podcast today and to create an episode, it felt for me like there was a massive elephant in the room if I didn't acknowledge one, what it is that I'm dealing with right now, what I know Nicole's also dealing with, and what the majority of people in the world are also dealing with, which is grief in some form. So we're here really unscripted today just to have a conversation about our own grief on our own journeys. Um, If you are watching on YouTube, I do have a computer in front of me with a picture of my brother. It's more so there for comfort, and I have a hat on to look down because making eye contact even with a camera feels a bit hard. And I'm transparent about that because that's also part of the process. That's very much still there. And I'm choosing still to show up here and be transparent about it and try and transmute some of this tragedy and the pain into something that can be of value and a teaching and be of service to everyone who's listening and also to myself and to honor Jake. Continuing this conversation, especially around the holidays, around grief and loss, We know it's a time for a lot of us when the realization, the emptiness, um, the loss of the humans that are no longer in our world really does come to the surface. Um, Last month, actually, in the circle, even, we covered this topic and we really expanded it outward to include all types of losses on on our healing journey. Because those of us who might have lost actual humans, a lot of us are losing something. We're losing a way of being. We're losing a story about ourselves. Um, we might be you know, losing or releasing expectations of our relationships or of the world around us. So in as many ways as possible, there are so many ways that grief is part of healing. Whether or not you're out there listening and you actually did lose a loved one like Jenna and I did, um, grief can still come up on our healing journey at many different moments. There's a lot of irony to me for the fact that last month in November in the circle, we were teaching about grief and loss and letting go. And while even creating that content and working to, you know, get our workshop specialists to come in, I realize now was such a true gift to be experiencing this tragic loss personally during a month while the week before showing up to do a content teaching or to meet with David Kessler, one of our workshop guests who wrote a beautiful book on finding meaning in grief. And I have gone back to even that content, even our work in the circle and those conversations that we had with our members last month to really help me get through this time. And I love how you mentioned that, Nicole, that it it is very much a part of a healing journey. Grief is a part of a healing journey because grief is love. Grief could be entirely optional. And David mentions this in his book, which I really love, that grief is optional in this lifetime. You don't actually have to experience grief, but in order to avoid grief, to detach from grief. You also need to avoid love and you need to detach from love. Love and grief are inexplicably intertwined. So on a healing journey, 
Your core is love. You are love itself. So it is so true to honor for each person, whether you've experienced the loss of a parent, a sibling, a child, a pet, a friend, anyone, or the loss of a relationship or a job or an experience. I know people have their opinions about putting them all in same levels and they're not on the same level. However, everyone experiences grief in some way and it comes through the love that we have for something or also more so in particular for someone. I think this is a really great point to start, Jenna, because what you're referencing through all of this is acceptance. I mean, that's the word that comes to mind for me. Um, And the grief work really does begin when we become aware sometimes for the first time witnessing how we feel about whatever it is that is or that was or that happened or that is no longer. And I'm stopping on that point of acceptance first because, again, just speaking from my own past experience, I know I had little to no awareness around my emotions. I checked out on my spaceship. They felt too overwhelming. um, And I avoided them for a very, very long time. Um, And things that we avoid, you know, they don't actually go anywhere. They stick with us. So as we begin to heal and to speak to your point, whether it's we're really seeing ourselves or really seeing our relationships or seeing the reality that some relationships are ending, sometimes of factors outside of our own control, the first step in that is allowing ourselves to be with how we feel about whatever it is that is happened. Um, and I'm stopping on that point because, like I said, so many of us, we we go over that step. You know, we might have a loss in our lives, yet we're not really feeling about the loss. We haven't really taken the time to settle in and to sit in how it is that we feel about what is no longer the case or what perhaps never was the case for us. It's been an incredibly interesting experience to be very present to my life now and to be very conscious of what I am feeling and how I am navigating through this because we can be and we practice and we teach to be a witness of our thoughts, to be an objective observer. And there are so many times in this grief process where my bones feel quite literally like they're going to crumble. And at the same time, I can witness those sensations. I can't not be human. All of those emotions, all of those sensations are still swirling around in my cells and my body, whether I like it to or not. And being a witness to that and being conscious of it at least gives me the gift and the opportunity to be aware of what I am feeling, to know that there is grief there to happen and that my work truly is to not numb it out to not avoid the pain or the grief, but to take care of myself, to take care of my own heart and my body and my mind, to nourish myself and to remain connected to me and my own inner wisdom, our own internal guidance that we teach. So it makes perfect sense why so many of us do, whether we choose to or not consciously, you know, go into shock or kind of skip through grief or just get right back into things. And we don't let ourselves feel because the feeling is really difficult. It does really, really hurt. And it's been a really challenging and interesting time to to sit here and teach about grief or to teach about grief last month and then to experience it and be, you know, conscious of it and be okay. And then, you know, bend down to tie your shoes and suddenly find yourself on the floor for 20 minutes sobbing because those emotions are still there and you need to accept, or I found for me, I need to accept and allow and not numb them out, but allow myself to feel through them. So you even mentioning numbing, right? This is a prime time for a lot of us where 
the thing that we used to do with our emotions comes up, right? Whether it's we detach, we distance ourselves, we numb ourselves, um, we distract ourselves with endless work. Um, a lot of times that goes hand in hand. When I'm trying to avoid something that's really uncomfortable or difficult, what the first thing we might notice, some of us, is those behaviors, those coping mechanisms, how we're trying to deal with what's down below the surface. And again, I'm speaking to those of us who are still reconnecting with our bodies, might not yet, might know that to some extent we have suffered a loss, might not actually be connected to what the feelings are. The first thing you might notice is what are you trying to do, right? Are you noticing a lot of distracting behaviors? Are you noticing a lot of numbing behaviors? This might mean to you that there is something deeper. And now I'm going to kind of flip the coin a little bit um, and acknowledge something I learned in my own journey, which is how to feel our feelings, and also how to acknowledge when we are continuing our feelings ourselves. And what do I mean when I say that? Like Jenna is speaking, grief can come up at any time. Um, I know for me, especially initially, right after I lost my mom, the mornings, for whatever reason, a thought would pop up about my mom, or that was the time when maybe I would see my, mom, my mom's text come in, and that's no longer there. For whatever reason, my mom came up in the morning, and usually when we have a thought and the person is now absent, we feel grief. We feel everything, you know, about no longer having that person in our life. And what I had to acknowledge for myself is, of course, give myself those moments to ride that wave, to be with my feelings. And then I had to observe when are the moments when I'm continuing my feeling on? Am I continuing in my mind with thoughts that aren't helpful? Um, and again, what thoughts are helpful or not is for each of us to determine. But I know for myself, um, I can continue to think things that don't help me, that go beyond having my moment of grief or of anger or of sorrow, that continue those feelings on for me. So just as much as we want to feel our feelings, right, we have to observe how alive are we keeping our grief because it comes in waves. It doesn't mean that as that one wave washes over me an hour later, I might not feel another wave. I'm speaking to those of us out there who can become our feelings, who can merge so much with them that we actually don't give ourselves any opportunity to have a different experience at all. I know for me in particular that even having that noticing and that awareness, I have it. That doesn't mean, yes, I can choose to do something with it. I chose to fly back to Arizona last night to record this podcast today to try and transmute it in some way. However, there is very much a deep end of grief and there is no there is no time limit. There is no roadmap for this. There is no comparing it to your neighbor or to your partner. There's only your experience. And for some of us, you may be in that deep end for a while. And at some point you will hit a rock bottom where you do have a choice. You can choose to move forward. You can choose how you respond. You always have that choice. And it's really important to also allow yourself to be in that deep end. Allow yourself to not know how to put one foot in front of the other right away. Because for many of you, I'll speak for myself, you may not know how to right away. I know a lot of people have different teachings on grief or different stages of grief. And when we talked about this work in the circle last month, um, feedback from one member was, you know, kind of upset by hearing those terms of these stages of grief that, you know, how could my grief have a stage? How could you say that? And or what we often miss right away is that those stages could cycle over and over and over 500 times throughout a day. It's not 
you know, you hit one stage, you accept it, and then you move on, and then you're angry, and then you're sad, or you find meaning. That's not necessarily the roadmap. You can continue to cycle through. Mornings for me have also been particularly hard, and so has, honestly, about every 15 minutes of the day. I was just drying my hair earlier and found myself sobbing in tears because the reality of the reality of it being real hits you continuously over and over again. So there's the pain and the loss that feels tumultuous. And then it's the reminder and the thought that comes in or my brother's phone that I have when his alarm goes off or even without an alarm, without any of his things. There's just a thought that comes back in that reminds me of the permanency that he is no longer here in that human form. And every single time that happens, multiple times throughout the day, it's like that first phone call I got two weeks ago when my brother told me that he was gone, where my first immediate response was, well, if he's gone, then let's go find him. Where is he? Because my brain could not wrap around the permanency of what that meant. When you think of permanency, you know, a lot of times what we're mourning in those moments, too, is the what we're mourning in those moments, too, is the absence of the possibility, right, that things are different. And I'm speaking this for me. Um, Because when I was sharing earlier about acceptance and really allowing yourself to be with what is, for me, my grief journey began around within my relationship with my mom, but before my mom was even gone, before while she was still here. Um, As I became aware, as I let more and more into my conscious awareness, the reality of my relationship with my mom, not really feeling emotionally connected to her, for me, that's when my grief began, because what I was finally for the first time in, in decades allowing myself to be with is the pain of not having that connection. And a lot of times that's what we're mourning, what we didn't have. And then, of course, when the person is no longer there, right, when we can't accept that there won't be a possibility for the relationship to shift or change or for them to have a life that we imagined we wanted for them, that I think adds another degree of difficulty in terms of acceptance. Um, because again, what we're what we're accepting is that's how things remained, right? When the person is in here, we have to now come to conclusion with that relationship without the possibility of seeing it shift or change in a direction that might be really painful for us to accept. There's a lot of what ifs that come up. Your brain can't help but go back and think, you know, if I had picked up this one phone call, if I had done this thing, could something be different? And like Nicole, with Jacob, he struggled with addiction for many, many years. And as if you've been listening for a while in the masterclass or this podcast, I've spoken a bit about my family and that separation that I also did take and the time that I did take away. And for the majority of my life, you know, from teenage years onward up until really just a few years ago, I did take that space. I took space from Jake. He was not in a place that allowed me to feel safe. And really the best thing in ironic ways that happened to Jake was him going to jail and him going to prison because him doing that is what allowed him or forced him to become sober, to go into recovery. And about eight years ago, that is what happened. He went into full recovery. He started teaching. He started sharing. He was an amazing speaker. He created nonprofits. He created rallies and organizations. He saved what I learned after his death literally dozens of lives. And I know when someone dies, we talk about all these beautiful things about them. And I truly did not know the impact that he had had 
on the addiction community or people in recovery and that community and the lives that he had saved because he had gone through so much darkness, his own dark night of the soul while he was in prison and came out of that in a new light. And it still took me years to feel safe to go back to that because my grieving process had already started. Years before that, Jake had overdosed maybe I think two times, twice I had gotten phone calls where we thought he was gone. And my immediate response was, okay, you know, how do we deal with mom? How do we take care of our mom? Because it was just my twin and I. And thankfully each time, you know, he was okay and we got him back. And he spent eight beautiful years in recovery, teaching and being sober. And it was only three years ago that I reconnected with him. I actually stayed with him and lived with him through my own dark night of the soul. He's how I even ended up meeting and getting connected with Nicole and Lolly and the holistic psychologist and everything I'm doing now. And that grief had already started by looking at someone standing in front of me who was no longer there. It felt like his shell was there, but in years past, he wasn't there. He was in an active addiction. He was something in someone else. So that grief began and then it ebbed and flowed. And now it is a new grief going into those what ifs, you know, what if I had picked up that phone call last month when he reached out to me before he overdosed? A month later, he's now gone. And it's just allowing and accepting the reality of what is now and watching myself when I do see myself start to get attached to, you know, I could have done this different, it would have maybe saved him or made a difference. And really what so is just what so now. And it's my choice and responsibility to, to respond and move forward or not. So very similar, Jenna, to, to your journey, you know, throughout separating myself from my family, really figuring out how it was that I felt about all of the different relationships I had with each family member. And then very similar to you making the choice to reconnect throughout that and through the process of reconnecting now, really putting that focus on myself is was still very priority because what I began to then see is what I had around me was a lot of family members that were seeing the distance that I now had between myself and my family. And of course, felt uncomfortable about it, felt threatened by it, maybe even felt badly seeing um, the, 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 maybe felt badly seeing the grief that it caused in different family members. And so for me, with that codependent conditioning, always wanting to show up to minimize conflict or to show up as I imagine my family needed me to, really having those checkpoints for myself, asking myself what I was capable of. Do I have the emotions and the bandwidth to show up to support my family, especially as then my mom's health began to decline over the better part of a year? And what was really important, I'm going back to something that Jenna, you shared earlier, which is we have a tendency to compare ourselves, right? So for me, feeling my amount of grief, it was very easy to see how my sister, for instance, or my dad was navigating what was happening for my family. And it is a tendency to compare, to feel like we should be feeling what they're feeling, or we should be managing our grief or navigating our grief in the way that they are. Um, we each have unique relationships with humans and the loss or the separation of these relationships really is going to hit us all differently. And when we look outside of ourselves to say, oh, I, I should be feeling worse than I am, or it's bad that I'm feeling this way, or I feel terrible. Why aren't I feeling as good as whomever I'm looking at? That can really, really cause us a lot of suffering. It can also keep us on an island. And what I mean when I say that is if we go ahead, and I know that this is one of my favorite things to affirm to myself, is how no one understands. 
right? And I could walk around my life saying no one gets it. No one had this exact relationship with my mom. So no one knows what it's like to mourn the loss of a relationship you never had and now not to have an opportunity. And I could also acknowledge that, of course, no one's exactly going to know what it was like to be Nicole in relationship with my mom. Of course they won't. If I keep, though, affirming that I'm on an island, for me, I know that takes me back to childhood where feeling I felt safer on that island. However, that island kept me from the support of others. So, of course, no one is going to be able to understand completely what it is for you to lose your job, your identity, your relationship, your parent, your sibling. However, if we do continue to put ourselves on that island with that sort of languaging, we're going to remain really, really alone in a very, very universal experience, which is loss. It's really valuable to have awareness around that statement that no one else will understand. And when we're using it to kind of harm ourselves or to distance and disconnect and isolate ourselves. And then also when it actually is reality, no one is going to understand your grief. No one's going to understand what it's like for you to lose that person. And we put ourselves in our own self-induced turmoil when we have an expectation that others could or that they should. And now, David Kessler, who wrote this book, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief, that was in our Self-Healer Circle membership last month, um, has actually become a really great support and friend through this process. And the greatest piece of advice that I was given is to let go of that expectation and to have that understanding, especially within my partners, that they're not going to understand. That doesn't make them lesser than or better than. That's simply just fact. And it puts a lot of resentment and frustration in between me and the people that I love, the people that are still here walking this earth when I'm keeping them at bay in this constant, you know, roaring of you don't understand, you don't get it, as if that's shame on them, as if they're responsible for that. When the reality is grief is my own journey, your grief that you're dealing with while it will then impact those around you, it is your journey to go through. That grief, that sorrow, that longing that you're experiencing and that pain is yours to go through and yours alone. You can reach out to your support. You can take the support and the love and receive the love from those around you. But the journey itself is yours to navigate, to choose how you put one foot in front of the other, to choose what meanings you do assign from it, to choose how you do respond from it. Speaking of receiving support, one of the lessons that I continue to, to meet on the daily is how much of an action receiving is on the receiver. Letting in love, letting in support actually does take kind of an opening up to receive it. Like Jenna's saying, right, whether it's being aware of the limitations we're having in our in our language when we're thinking about those things or, you know, uh, detaching from the expectation that someone gets it exactly and shows up with the support exactly as we think we need it in that moment. There's an action that we take when we allow in, when we detach from that expectation and when we allow in what's there. And like I was sharing, for me, I'm endlessly reminded of that on the daily because I know for me, that little girl who didn't have that deep emotional connection right with her mother 
feels really unfamiliar and uncomfortable with allowing in support, with even telling someone that, you know, I am struggling and then being open to how if ever it is that that person can show up in that moment. I much rather prefer to have an expectation that ultimately that person can't meet. And then I very quickly shift into anger, into disappointment. And in that moment is so incredibly important to give love to the deeper experience, acknowledging that if you are like me, there might be a deep wounding, a deep discomfort with letting in things like support, like love. Um, Like Jenna said, when we began, we are love. So many of us feel unsafe, feel too vulnerable, feel too overwhelmed because we haven't had those experiences to let in. So into adulthood, again, it becomes a journey. Right. I could sit here and speak those words and maybe you're resonating. Yes, I don't let love in. Then it's a practice of being vulnerable in those moments, of accepting what someone can offer in those moments and of being in that emotional closeness. And again, if you're like myself, all of that is incredibly familiar. It's when that coping mechanism for me comes. I like to be angry or detach in those moments. And at any point along the way, if I can bear witness to what I'm doing, I give myself the opportunity for that beautiful choice that Jenna is mentioning. And I might make the choice to scream, to run away, to detach in that moment. And then I have an opportunity to extend myself compassion, knowing that I will have another moment when, of course, the feeling comes back up to make a new choice, maybe to lean into the support that I have around me. Because while our journeys are for ourselves, are something that we take alone, we definitely need the people around us. We do need the people around us quite literally for our own survival. And while we're talking about allowing ourselves to receive or open up that love that's around us, before even doing that, we need to really become present and aware that you also need to give that love to yourself first. We talk about this all the time, like broken records in our healing. You need to give it to yourself first before you can receive it or give it to another person. And this really is so crucial here to be able to give yourself that love. I know now even me showing up here to do this podcast, I could have said, you know, Nicole, do you mind doing this next week solo again? I need another week. And I I kind of thought I did. But to me, the best thing I thought I could do was to be of service in some way, to keep my own pain going, to keep moving forward, and really to do what Jake was doing too, to teach, to talk, to be raw, and to be transparent. Because it's this very thing that we're talking about that ultimately is what then led Jake down this path and what ultimately led to his death. He loved outwardly. He took care of everyone else outwardly. And the one person that was always neglected was him himself. And for me, this has been such an eye-opener to see that, you know, the same trauma, the same tragedy, the same chaos that Jake came from, that he struggled to cope with, that led him down this path, is the same place that I come from. And I'm very aware of the work that I've done and the path that I've put myself on to learn how to cope, to learn how to feel through it, and to now in this moment remain connected to myself first in this process because there's this funny thing about grief where the rest of the world doesn't stop. It feels like time stops and the world blurs, yet things keep going. And when you grieve, you're not just suddenly in grief. You're in grief in addition to 
your job, your coworkers, your family, your partners, your relationship, all of these other people and places and things that also need your love and attention. And for those listening, you've heard me talk very openly and very transparently about being in a new relationship, being in a relationship in general for me, let alone with two people and how confronting that can be at times, how scary and raw that is. After everything hit with Jake about a week after, I realized, oh my God, I'm also in a partnership. I have to experience the depths of this grief and this like hollow in my bones. And also I have two people who want to be there and support me and who love me. And I have to make a choice. Do I let down my armor and allow them in or do I not? And for a little while, I got really angry. You know, how could I? How could I have to deal with two people who love me so much when it hurts and is so vulnerable and scary to be in that at a time like this? And really, it's just that awareness that grief is an an addition to. And the first access you have, the only access you have to even navigating that process is to first open up that closeness and that relationship with yourself. So yeah, grief grief is something we bring with us now. As life continues, as life happens around us, as we're in relationship or partnerships with other people, children included, life does go on. And what you were talking about when we began in terms of alchemizing, right? Making a choice, very similar to you continuing Jake's work. Um, a very big motivator is my relationship with my own mom. Um, understanding that my mom was very limited by her past relationships and of no fault of her own, she wasn't able to meet those emotional needs for me. Now I have the amazing opportunity. I'm actually getting chills as I'm saying this right now. I have the amazing opportunity to do the healing work now so that I can pass on. I can show up as a different human in the world. I can teach these tools now to everyone out there listening. I can turn my pain into my mission, into my meaning. And with that said, in terms of then life continuing on, for a lot of us, this brings up another conflict, right? The reality or the choice to move on with life. For me, that meant leaving New Jersey, where I know my family is still living in the home where my mom once lived, with all of those reminders. So, of course, they're met with multiple opportunities to remember and to grieve throughout the day. I left. Right? I made the choice to come back here to Arizona to continue to live the life I was building and to continue to do the work that I'm doing. And for a lot of us, that's another moment where we can feel really guilty, feel badly right, that we are moving on with life. And it might not be fully because we carry that grief with us. Right, It's still going to be part of us. It might even become what we alchemize into now what we do. It is part of us. We are forever different, though it's when can we make the choice to then continue to re-engage with life and to create into that future. Guilt has been something that has been creeping up for me in the last 48 hours, especially seeing as it's it's been two and a half weeks. I immediately was home with my twin. We acted as the next of kin. We planned everything. We did everything on super speed for a week and then Three days after his burial, it was Thanksgiving. And a couple days after that, I'm now back here and here in Arizona, um, where I live and where I live in an entirely different and created life. And there's already been a lot of sort of guilt or agony, this, this kind of gnawing feeling over time about the fact that I have created this life 
when I look at the life that I came from and some of the struggle and the chaos that still very much exists there. And it was very painful for me to to come back here, to come back to a beautiful home, to something that, yes, I have created and to not make myself feel wrong or to not judge myself for the fact that guilt does come up. And that's okay. I'm not going to make it wrong that I feel guilty. I do feel guilty sometimes. That's just the emotion that's there. That's the name that I'm giving that emotion. And that's it. I'm not making any further meaning about it. However, I knew that the most important thing that I could do and the most valuable thing that I could do to honor myself or anyone around me, and especially to honor Jake's life, is to put myself first, is to take care of me. I spoke about this at Jake's viewing, that that was that one very thing, you know, even from the grave, I know he's very much still here, not walking the earth in human form anymore, but he's no more gone or here than he was when he was walking in a human shell. And I think for me, that is still his greatest teaching and him still being a big brother, that this really is such a testament to what can happen when you do run yourself on empty, when you do run on autopilot and you do just outsource and give love and seek validation so externally, no matter how much beauty you create, no matter how much light you create from that darkness, if you're not giving that love and that honor and that light and acknowledgement to yourself first, it does run you down a path of self-destruction that someday could be the end of the rope where it is permanent now. There is a permanent transition to what your life on this earth looks like. So for me, the greatest message in all of this really is the meaning and the teaching of the divinity of also that connection to him, standing next to a human body that is essentially my brother, yet he's no longer there. The depth of the feeling in my heart when that happened was so beautiful to understand that he is absolutely not gone. I would love to interact with his human body. I would love to hear his laugh again. I'd love to see what he creates and teaches over the years. I would have loved to see him back in recovery. That's not going to happen, but I still very much have him. I hear him. I see him in my teachings. He's what's helping channel even this podcast here now. And that's the meaning that I choose to assign to all of this, to find the light in that dark, to really transmute it into that hope, into our teachings. That is truly my knowing. And I think the greatest gift that we could try and find through our grief. I'm hoping that one of the big takeaways that all of you listeners out there get from this, this, this talk, this podcast here today is how individual, right, grief and loss and our journeys really are, really creating this space in ourselves to be with what is, um, be with the losses that have happened in our life, be with the expectations that might go unmet, be with the attachments that we're carrying and be with the role that we're playing in whether or not we're able to feel supported or grounded in the relationships around us. All of that begins with us, with like Jenna was very beautifully saying, with really rebuilding that relationship to ourselves, to our emotions, to the core wounds that come up when we're faced with the different types of loss and of grieving that many of us are faced with when we heal honoring ourself um, for the first time for some of us in our lives and how we feel about what has happened allows us to then accept those feelings and then ultimately over time to let go, to begin to put those 
feet in front of the other, however that looks for you, to find the meaning around your loss that works for you. You just sat here and listened to Jenna and I shared our different separate journeys, similarities, differences. Don't take what we're saying as pressure. Resist that urge to compare what you're hearing either of us say and begin that journey for yourself. Um, For those of us that come through the journey of healing past relationships, different losses, aspects of ourself, we get so much more grounded in us and who we are and in the confidence that we can navigate even the darkest moments. I love that last part that you said about who we are. And I'm going to read this actually from Jake's prayer card. I put this on there. I scoured some of his photos. He was a beautiful photographer. And he wrote a lot of quotes. He was a writer. And this quote says, the worth of our lives comes not by what we did or who we were, but by who we are. And I love this so much. And you just referenced, you know, it being who we are because who we are and our only access to really our journey and ourselves, our being is to be present, is to be in this present moment where we are alive, which means to feel. For me personally, that means holding a candle up to all of these new depths, all of these new parts that feel like they have cobwebs. And instead of running away or shunning them, to really illuminate them, to give them my love, to quite literally move into them and to make them my home, to remember how connected it is that we all are and really find in the contrast of this, in the depth of that grief and that sorrow and that pain, that same contrast is what gives us access to that light. It truly is one and the same and you can't have one without the other. So I've made it a promise to myself. And I know just even sharing on Instagram the past two weeks, hearing feedback and DMs or responses from some people that, you know, have experienced such tragic loss or grief over years or decades, and they're finally revisiting it or visiting it for the first time because for so many years or decades, they chose to not do that, to not hold a candle up to it, to not move into these new parts, to not expand. And It's one of the most difficult things, I think, as a human is the fact that we do have that choice. We do have the opportunity that when faced with a situation that is feeling hopeless or unchangeable, that we are challenged to change ourselves. We have the choice to take that tragedy and turn it into an opportunity for growth. So for me personally, thank you all for tuning in and for listening to this episode and being a space for me to also heal and grieve very transparently in real time with you and in front of you. And I do promise to myself first and to Jake and to all of you and to my partners to continue holding to all of my partners, to my two partners and all of my partners in business and life, (laughs) but to continue, oh, I smile, that feels nice, to continue holding a candle up to those corners and to really find the bounty and the treasure that is there because there is That is where all of the wisdom is. That is where all of the teachings are. They're not living in a textbook somewhere. And if they made it to a textbook or to a book or to an Instagram story, it's because they came from somewhere else first. And all of those teachings, all of that beauty, all of that wisdom comes from the depths of that despair and that pain. It is that darkness that then allows us to even witness our light. So thank you. We love you. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you guys next week. And also, before we end, 
transitioning a little bit, our Self-Healers Circle membership, our online virtual healing membership is opening again for enrollment on January 1st, 2022. So about one month, yep, about, about a month, January 1st, we will be opening enrollment. It does sell out quickly. The only way to enroll is to join our waitlist. So please head to our Instagram. You can find the link for our waitlist there, or you can find it at theholisticpsychologist.com. Join the waitlist for the Self-Healer Circle. You will be notified with your link to enroll on January 1st, and we hope to see you there.